Hey, Merry Christmas to you all. Wow. Try it again. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, there we go. Hey, it's exciting to hear you guys singing and being together. I, I love our Christmas Eve service. My name is Bill Stafiri. I'm the, the pastor here at Beach Point. And uh, I, love, I love this night. I love uh, Christmas Eve because uh, by the time we get to Christmas Eve, like all the, at least for my family, it's kind of uh, about 11.30 today, all the rushing around stops. Uh, our family gets together. We do our Christmas together. Uh, we come to services. Our service, we can't plan or fix one more part of the service. We, we've done it twice already. And so there's something great. It's just, I, my family gets to slow down a little bit. Uh, I love it. I love this service, uh, particularly the four o'clock service, because uh, so you get to see so many families. It's almost like a, a reunion sometimes of seeing people you haven't seen in a while uh, and, and watching everybody clean themselves up and come on out. And, and uh, that's always a, a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things I, I love so much in seeing you guys at this point is I, over these last uh, uh, weeks, I have loved getting Christmas cards uh, from uh, so many of you. And for me, I, I love the Christmas cards. The more creative, the better as far as I'm concerned. I love watching you try to get that perfect moment captured that you can send off to everyone to try to give this portrayal that everything's perfect in your life. It's awesome. Uh, so I, it, one of my favorites was my friends, the Hanoians. They, uh, they sent me this uh, card and I loved it. It says, adorable holiday card, nailed it. And you can see, you can imagine if you've got kids ranging from high school to, you know, pre, preschool, uh, that, that's very difficult to pull that all off. Uh, and so I started thinking through some of the other cards I've seen that I would say have nailed it. Uh, the, the families that have tried to nail it in a Christmas card. Maybe you, maybe you've tried that this year. You, you were the Photoshop family. Uh, you guys kind of just placed yourself in all kinds of scenic, uh, opportunities. Some of you are the cute family. Uh, it's all matching sweaters or, you know, the Christmas boxes there, whatever it is. This next one's my favorite, and it's going to be, I think we're going to experience this next one over the next few days, possibly in social networking. I just want you to appreciate this card for a second. So look at this card. If you look on the left, the first time that the picture was taken, it was in 1998. The second time in 2013 with the same siblings. So what I want to invite you to do is when you go home tonight to your Christmas experiences, I want you to find the old photos and I want you to recreate those pictures again, post them and then, and then tag me in it. Say, you know, tag Bill Stafiri. I was listening on Christmas Eve. I just want you to know. Okay. Uh, I know some families have already started doing this and we were even at home. I was laughing. I'm like, we have to recreate that photo, uh, with my siblings, uh, I, now, I love, the, I love that there's always someone, there's always one friend in your group who always is sending out the, the, the mockery card, right? Uh, just take that in for a second. I mean, this is, I don't know if there's a better Christmas moment than what you're experiencing right there. And then, and then I love, I love the fact that there are, there's the photo that always tells the real story of what it's like to get the kids together to take the photo. It looks something like this, right? I mean, the kid on the left is telling the story, parents. This is how we feel. We were just taking family photos and our, our kids were, we were driving them nuts. I could tell with their hearts and minds, they were giving us that very same look. And of course, many of you that are new parents, uh, you have, you got these young kids. You've been trying to get the perfect Santa photo, but most of them look like this, don't they? Uh, it looks more something like, 
And I don't blame Eli for that, for crying. I mean, that Santa is creepy looking. That is, I would be crying if I was sitting on his lap as well. Uh, but as much as Christmas is about the, the coming home of family and the reunion of family, uh, the, really the story of Christmas is about something much more. It is about God's invitation for us to come home to him. And uh, we've been spending time this, this Christmas season thinking about this, this wonderful theme of come home. And, and really, when you begin to think about the whole story of the Bible, the whole narrative of the scriptures, it is a story of a God who is inviting us home. It is a, it, it, from the very beginning of creation of God who creates us to dwell with us, to be in relation with us, uh, even when we rebel, even when we, we, we kind of throw that away, he, he puts in place a plan of redemption. And the way that you read all through that to the very end of the story where we see that heaven and earth are coming together, that the, this very king who came the first time comes again so that God and man can dwell together. That the whole story of the Bible is about, about us as his people, and he is our God, that we would dwell together. And we've been thinking about what it means for this. And it's, a, it, it, it's such a powerful story to think of what is happening at Christmas time. And uh, Matt read for you the, the Christmas story from Luke, we, the story of that, that divine night, that, that moment when Jesus came into the, this world where, where God took on flesh. Uh, but there's this interesting passage. It's, it's, it's not your traditional Christmas passage. It doesn't have camels and shepherds and wise men and things like that in it. But there's an interesting passage that t- it's almost like giving you a 30,000 uh, foot view of what's happening. It kind of gives you a, a, the ability to interpret the story that you, were just, that you just heard read to you. And I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I, I would love for you to listen to this. And I want you to see just two things this Christmas uh, as you come together as families here uh, tonight. And this is from Galatians chapter. Four, and the Apostle Paul, who was writing this uh, letter to a church, said, I want you to understand what was happening in that moment. And, and here's what he says He says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Two things I would love for you just to to hear tonight and let your heart reflect on. And the first thing is this, that that when we think about that Christmas uh, night, when we think about Jesus coming into the world, what we discover is that, uh, that we are worth redeeming. At Christmas, we discover that we're worth redeeming. And to redeem someone is to purchase them back. It is to free them uh, from what enslaves them. And, and, and one of the classic definitions thinks of, of redemption this way, that redemption always involves rescue. It always involves rescue. It is always the pursuit of those who are captive. And when Jesus came to rescue us, he came to rescue us from being lost and, and, and to save us from and rescue us from sin and from death and, and, and from darkness and guilt. Redemption always involves rescue. Uh, but there's always a price to be paid. Uh, uh, redemption always includes a ransom. 
And, and oftentimes the price to be paid is quite extensive. Some of you have seen the, the movie Saving Private Ryan. And you'll remember in that movie the unique mission that is given to, to Captain Miller. Uh, Captain Miller's given this mission. He has a small squad of soldiers and he's told, you need to get behind enemy lines and you need to find Private Ryan. Private Ryan's brothers, other brothers had been killed in battle. And, and the thought was, we cannot let this family endure one more death. Find that son, get him home. And so Captain Miller is given this job. And, and, and as you uh, follow the story, what you find is that the pursuit to rescue often involves a, a tremendous price to be paid. In the very same way, when God sent his son into the world, into this earth. Uh, He entered into harm's way for our behalf. He took on our sin and punishment. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. But see, uh, redemption always ends in restoration. The the purpose always is to restore, to to bring back. And you and I have to realize something that it's such a beautiful thing to see that we could not help ourselves, we could not save ourselves and so God himself intervened on our behalf. Why? To bring us back to himself, to bring us home. Redemption always is about restoration. And God went looking for us and he found us. He paid the price for us so that we could be brought home. So we see that he says, when you look into that nativity, when you see that event, you have to understand something. You to God are worth redeeming. You're worth it. But second, he says this, do you realize when you look into that manger and you see that child, do you realize what it's saying? It's saying that you are worth adopting. And he uses this interesting idea that you, that, that when that event happened, that we were, that, that what was being made possible was that we could be adopted into sonship. It's kind of a, a big idea, but if, it's a little different than how we, we think about adoption today. Uh, back in the first century in the Roman world, it was quite common for someone to, if they wanted to, to give their, their uh, fortune away, their, all their, uh, everything they have, their inheritance, they would adopt an adult. Uh, they wouldn't adopt a baby or a toddler, much like we see happening, but in, because a baby or a toddler might die. Instead, they would look and if they found, they'd find someone, uh, someone older who they felt they could trust their inheritance to. And the point is, if some of you are rich and you need someone, I'm here to adopt and <laughs> be your heir. No, it's, but it's a beautiful picture, and they would know this. They would, they would know that there's this sense of choosing that takes place, of choosing you to, to come in. And what would happen is when you were adopted, all your debts were paid. All, everything was covered. You came under the protection of your father, of your new father, your earthly father. And it was this powerful image to them all. And, and all these things that were happening, we began to see this, this idea that he, what we begin to see is that he was saying, do you realize that in the Christmas event, God is saying that he wants to adopt you. He wants to say to you, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want you to belong to my home. I want everything I have to belong to you. And, and all that I'm intending I want it to be yours. Do you realize that when you look into the manger, what it's saying is that that God thinks you are worth adopting. And and to be adopted, though, it doesn't mean just that you would come and reside in the home and there would be this kind of 
distance, this, you just kind of exist together in the same space. He, he uses this interesting phrase. He says that, that something happens, that when we're adopted, the, the very Spirit of God floods our hearts and that we begin to call out to God, Abba, Father. And it's interesting because these are words that, a, that a, a young child, a young Hebrew child would learn right from the very beginning, Abba or I'm a uh, daddy, mommy. I think about what he's saying, he's saying that, that when you think about this, God is saying, not only do I want to adopt you, not only do I want you to belong to me and I belong to my kingdom, but I want you to be able to call me daddy. I want there to be such an intimacy between us that you could call out to me in that way. One of the ways I, I, I started to understand this, I, I, married, uh, I, I married great, um, but I married a woman who, uh, her dad, they, she had, has two sisters, and her dad has always treated me like a son. He's never treated me like a son-in-law. He's always treated me like a son. But I remember very early on, there was a moment, kind of a watershed moment in our relationship to kind of understand this, that how he felt about me. Uh, he has a, a house in a place called Canyon Lake. It's about an hour from here. And there's, uh, uh, we would go water skiing and wakeboarding. And I used to take kids from the youth group there all the time and do little trips. One time, uh, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, uh, we didn't get around to asking permission. It was one of those times where you're like, well, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And so I took 25 middle school kids to his house without asking. So we're two days into the trip. And it's six o'clock in the morning and on the top floor, there's, you know, uh, 10, 15 girls and girl leaders just all over the place. All their stuff all over the place. The house is thrashed. Downstairs are all the guys and myself and the guy leaders and it is thrashed. And I'm just sleeping on the floor and the door opens, creaks open, and I see these feet walk past my eyeballs. And I kind of wake myself up and go, because at first my thought, who's walked in the house? And then I realize whose feet those are. And he looks at me, he goes, hey, come outside with me. Now, if there was ever a moment where my father-in-law wanted to let me know how he really felt about me, it was that moment. But, but we walked outside and he looked at me, he goes, I love this. I absolutely love this. I love that you feel like you can bring these kids to this house. This is why it's here. And, I, I, and he was starting to, what he was getting at was, I love that you feel like a son to me. I love that you feel like this is your house. That's how I want you to feel. I have a couple adopted brothers and it was very interesting when they first came into our home as foster kids, it was very interesting just to watch the development because they, they seemed a little tentative at first. They're, they're the very excitable kids, uh, young kids, three and five, uh, but still trying to quite figure out how they belonged in the home. But it was interesting each visit that I would make as I'd go and see, as I'd watch the unique way, the, the way my, my stepmom would take them, sit them on her lap. She would just kind of hold them and read them stories, the, the way my dad would care for them. And the, the love that they were pouring out on these boys, how unique it was that time and time again as I'd go to the home, how at home those boys began to feel. I'd walk in the door and they would just come running and leap down like eight stairs down on the ground and tear through the house and like take me around and show me things and open up cupboards. And you knew because of the way that they were loved that they had felt like they were at home. And see, Paul says, look, look at that moment. Get, I want you to get perspective on that moment. Do you realize that in that moment, what God is saying to you he is saying to you, I want to adopt you into my family. I want you to be my daughter. I want you to be my son. 
I want you to call out to me, Daddy. It's a powerful, powerful moment to see. In fact, what we see, we recognize how special we are to him. And that Jesus himself, as he enters in, as the Son of God enters into the world, what he does is he's willing to suffer on our part to make that possible. And so as Jesus, the Son of God, takes off his crown, he humbles himself, he enters into this world, he fights for us as a servant, giving his life and death, even death on a cross. He makes possible this adoption. Peter writes this, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus entered into this world, he was willing to suffer to bring you to God to God. This is what God wants and this is what Christmas is saying. Christmas is saying to you, come home. Come home. It's so important to see this because for many of us we we see our relationship with God purely through the lens of approval. In fact, maybe this is even why you're here tonight. Got to get your church on, right? Got to get cleaned up. Got to show up. Don't want God to be upset with me. And I, I just want you to please hear tonight that that is not the message of Christmas. That the relationship that God wants with you is not a relationship of performance. It is a relationship in which he adopts you, he redeems you, he makes you his own. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment in time in which God is saying to you as loud as he possibly can, come home to me. Be in relationship with me. This is what I truly want for you. And this is such good news. This is good news to those of us who feel like we failed. We feel like we failed in parenting. We feel like we failed in marriage. We feel like we failed in our career. This is good news because God is saying, don't don't live there. Come home to me. Come home to me. See, this is good news to those of us who've been wandering. We've wandered from our faith. We've wandered from what, what we know to be good and right and true. We've wandered away from the church and from the people of God and the the place of what it means to be together. This is good news because tonight we hear that simple call, that whisper that says, come home. This is good news to us. And see, those of you who, who embrace this, when you embrace this, it radically changes you. It radically changes the way you relate to God and it radically changes the way you relate to others. The moment you hear that whisper to come home, the moment that you embrace God in this way, it changes who you are. Some of you have said yes to this and you're living in it. Tonight is just such good worship for you. It's just so, your heart is just filled with thankfulness because once again, you're seeing what it means to know God in this way. And you're thinking, this is, this is so unbelievable that, that the God of the universe would want to know me and your heart is rejoicing. Some of you have said yes to this, but you've just, you've missed it maybe in this last season of your life. You know it to be true. You know it to be good and right to say, I need to come home. This is where my heart belongs. This is where my soul belongs, is to be with God. And I hope you hear tonight that this is the opportunity for you to to do that very thing. Some of you are like me. I never grew up in church, but it it was a night sitting in this room when someone explained this to me for the very first time when my heart raced and, and, and all of a sudden I, I felt this call to say yes to this. And I began with a baby step of faith towards, it, towards God. 
And, and, and then the days following, I kept taking more baby steps. And now 30-something years later, a 14-year-old kid who had no experience with God is now pastoring the very church he became a believer in. And I want to encourage you, if you have never said yes, that tonight, I don't care if you're 15 or you're 95, that tonight you would take that next step. You would hear that whisper to come home. You would move, as God has moved towards you, you would move towards him. One of the great things about an eve is an eve is a moment before a significant event. I mean, think of the great eaves. The next day, something big is about to happen. Something significant is about to happen. And for some of you, tonight is the, is the night before your whole life changes. And I want to encourage you to come, to come home. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You come home first. You decide where you're at, that this isn't where you want to be anymore. The Bible calls it repentance. It's a turning around. It's a turning and moving towards God. You come as you are, broken, guilty, shameful, whatever it is that you feel, you come as you are, you come to him. And so the band's going to play a song, and I, I just want to invite you to listen. It really is a song of invitation. It's a song for, for any of you who maybe feel burdened. It's a song for any of you who maybe feel like you've been wandering. And I just want to encourage you that as you listen to this song, if in this song you feel this call, you hear the divine whisper that says to you, come home, that you would just in your heart respond to God and say tonight, Lord, that's what I want. I'm coming home to you. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you. I don't quite know what this means next, but I'm taking that next step towards you. And God will hear your prayer and he'll hear your heart. And so as the band plays, I want you to listen. Listen for the, the, the call. Listen for the divine whisper in your ear that says, Come, be my daughter. Come, be my son. Come home. Come home.